Welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We are the retro show that talks about anything and everything having to do with the baby boomer generation, us being the baby boomers here at Galaxy, baby boomer generation being the mid-20th century. If you were born in 1946 or you were also born in 1964, then you're in the Guinness Book of World Records because you were born uh, 40-something years apart, but... Having none of that, we're going to move forward today and welcome you to the show. Uh, we are excited because not only are we excited, but we're sitting here in this studio because it's Valentine's Day 2015, and Smitty, unless you brought candy, I certainly don't see flowers. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, buddy. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Mike, and uh, no, you don't bring me flowers anymore. No, but you know those little uh, chalky little antacid-type hearts with uh oh you kid yes. printed on them oh, and yes. uh where's my car or whatever they are yeah, we don't have any of those either we don't but i may be able to go to the to the drugstore tomorrow and get them at 50 percent off oh please do and the yeah. flowers won't be any problem because i'm looking at your hillside here outside the studio in el cajon california and it's just exploding with the, the vivid color of uh marigolds and little purple little thingies and pansies all over the place. Are the pansies out again? Oh, they're running amok, Smitty. They're running amok, <laughs> especially here in uh, southeast San Diego. Oh, yes. Uh, but it's a beautiful sunny day here in Southern California. We hope life is good and health is better wherever you're listening from. And we do want to first thank all our listeners uh, coming up on six years of the show here. And we're into yet another spring season. Even though it's February, Valentine's Day, in Southern California, the calendar knows no seasons. That's right. And we're moving fast upon the springtime season. And like we say, the flowers are out. And whenever I'm looking for ideas for a story, I just look at your hillside, Smitty. Ah, yes. And I say, uh, when are we going to do a segment about dirt and weeds? Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk today about something very dear to me, my vivid and somewhat dismal recollections of being forced to peddle things when I was in junior high, today known as middle school, uh, I grew up a refugee, or rather a victim, or rather a student in the Los Angeles Unified School System, which if you think the school districts are broke now in 2015, you should fast rewind to about the mid-1960s where they could barely afford chalk. And, uh, you know, five different classes had to share the same eraser. So they would have what was, was known as fundraisers about this time of year. Uh, they'd have two fundraisers, one in September for the year semester kickoff, and the other one around mid-year. And in our particular case, uh, we would go in, and they would send these mimeographed, long before Xerox, the cool stuff that smelled like alcohol. Oh, it smelled so good. Remember that? It was good. Oh, we loved to sniff oh, that. Handouts oh. were great. Yeah. And they had an inky feel to them as they well. They did. They were blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I had a I had a buddy Norbert Durfee, who who somehow he was you know he was the chemist in the eighth grade and he had some idea there was no internet so he come up with this somewhere he was the kid that spent every afternoon in the library but he said that blue ink stuff in the in the chemicals you could do something with it with the blue ink and you could make a bomb a very deadly bomb out wow. of the blue stuff. Gee. So I don't know if that ever turned out true, but you know the mind the mind of a little eight year old is a very fertile area. Yes. And then comes your teacher in homeroom that says, "Oh, the second year fundraiser is coming, and this year your PTA has decided we're going to sell peanuts 
And in this case, the peanuts were from a company called Chipper's Nut Hut. I wonder if the guy made parole and got out of prison who was behind the operation, the racket known as Chipper's Nut Hut, because it was a disaster. (laughs) These were small little boxes of peanuts. They were very overpriced. Uh, You could get them in plain. You could get them in that toffee, that Mm, sticky toffee. mm, Either mm. one. I could guarantee you the peanuts were stale. Yes. But each kid would get three or four cases, not boxes, cases cases of these to which you signed your life away out and they also told you, make sure, make sure your mom comes to pick you up Friday after school because you're going to have your inventory of Chipper's Nut Hut peanuts to start selling over the weekend. Now, make sure you tell your mom because in the 60s, everybody's dad went to work and mom stayed home with the station wagon. So since my mom had a station wagon, uh, she was volunteered for me and my friends for all our cases of peanuts, which we loaded down, took back, and then Friday afternoon, we got our hit list. This was the victim list here. These were the people you had an A list. That was Grandpa and Nana and Granddaddy and Grandma. I had both. I had the full complement back then. Everyone was still alive. Uh, they were good for four or five boxes apiece. And then you went to the uncles and aunts. And then my Uncle Paul had a barber shop, so you could inventory, you could display maybe 12 there. And the best part about that, the barber shop was two doors away from a bar. So on Saturdays, the drunks would come out, and they'd be hungry, and they'd go to the barber shop, and they'd buy the peanuts. <laughs> because after a, uh, after a significant amount of alcoholic beverage, you can't taste the staleness That's right, of yeah. these peanuts. Yeah, they actually yeah. probably taste pretty They're good. They taste pretty good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They go down good. So I had this plan. The drawback was the product was horrible, and uh, you couldn't sell that many boxes of peanuts to your sphere of influence. So we all took peanuts back, and the tough part about it was the hook, the cheese on the hook, Smitty, was the fact that they gave you another mimeograph paper, which smelled just as good, just as rich and vibrant as that first one, with the potential for the prizes you could win. There was always the bicycle. There was a pair of binoculars. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there was a baseball glove for the boys, and there was uh, a sweater ensemble for the girls. I thought the sweater ensemble was kind of nice, but I already had something in pink, and I had nothing to go with Ah, my black shoes, so Mm -hmm. uh, I opted (laughs) for the baseball glove because I figured I could get Sandy Koufax to sign it one day. That's right. All I needed to do is convince my dad to ever take me to a Dodger game. Mm-hmm. But that's a story for George Halalakos. Yes, George would enjoy that story. <laughs> but, you know, the peanuts were the tough one, and I do the tough stuff first on this cell, on this show so I can go to the fun stuff that I was proud of being part of, and I was very proud of being part of the seeds for the fundraiser. These were the burpee seeds. Mm-hmm. You would get them in a box. And you get two boxes, and you have assortment of seeds. And a lot of them were flowers, spring flowers, mm-hmm. or winter flowers that should be planted now for spring, or vegetables or fruits. And you would go, and those you could go door to door, because it wasn't like you would go up the block and the lady would see the little kid there and say, "Oh, it's the kid with those stale peanuts again." <laughs> if you depends what you had, and I had the the flower packs, and they right. were a dime a piece. And for every pack sold, five cents would go to the school. And I thought that was pretty good. And I loved I loved getting the uh, the seed packets home because I would just go 
to my grandparents' house, and my grandfather did the laundry at a laundromat, and he had a Band-Aid box that he kept his quarters and dimes and nickels in, and unbeknownst to him, he bought out most of the inventory of the seeds, which I would give away, usually to members of the opposite sex. Uh, Do you like zinnias? Are you a marigold kind of girl? (laughs) But I did very well at the seeds. Uh, You also had what we called mutual aid, the Lend-Lease program, because you had to go and you had to, the neighbors had to buy some of your stuff in these fundraisers, and we all went to the same junior high school, but they had to buy some of your items so that their daughters were maybe campfire girls, and they would sell marshmallows. So it would work around. There's always something going on. Smitty, you mentioned before the show when we were putting the production notes together about the dreaded magazine subscription sales. Yes. And you were a, you're a smart guy, and that's that's why we got you around. You know, <laughs> you're the level head brain of reality. You stood back and watched these schmucks with these big binders with the little color pictures. And these are all the magazines that you can buy. And... Uh, Wow, that thing's still going on. I still have people come to my door selling really? magazine subscriptions. Really? Now, that's, to this day? Really? That's the only thing that's lasted. This is a cyclical show, wow. so. But magazines were tough because, well, of course, Smitty, you didn't involve yourself because knowing you, you already had all the magazines coming in. You were <laughs> su- subscribed to all of them, okay? They were competitors. They were competitive, yeah. They were competing, yeah. yeah. But the things, you know, the prizes were the one draw, but... You wanted to be part of it, and you wanted to say, well, you know, last year the peanuts were stale. and, and Yeah, the, we wound up just opening the box and throwing them out and letting the birds eat the peanuts because they were too stale. Yeah, and then you've got, <laughs> you've got all these birds, all these birds in Highland Park, California, with these fractured, broken little beaks. Oh, poor little guys. Because those toffee peanuts, what they would do, I think they came from, the Chipper Nut Hut place was by the I-5 freeway by Disneyland. That place gets hot. Oh, and who knows, yeah. You know, they just mm. keep re- the ones that didn't sell last year, they put them back in the warehouse, and toffee tends to, uh, the molecules in toffee, I don't think were ever meant by the good creator above to be mended together with the molecules of peanuts, yes. because toffee would meld together, and you couldn't separate it, especially when it cooled off, so people would open the toffee peanuts, and you just had one big, ugly, molten lava-looking, yes. horrible thing of peanuts and toffee, little salt granules falling off. Yeah. So they would be nice. Would you like some? Would, and they would have to take, uh, I think it was a knife. Yeah. Or maybe it was a lobster pliers or something and a break hammer, them off. A hammer and chisel. Yeah, break them <laughs> off. And, and then you would have your pieces of toffee peanuts, which later became brittle yes. 30 years later. Yeah, but they got away right. with making kids sell this for $2 a box. And uh, I don't know. It's a lot like the lottery here yeah. in California, Smitty. Remember? Proceeds of every lottery ticket goes to California Education. We both work in the education yes. industry. Have you seen anything? No, no, nothing's come through in quite a long Never, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can remember, no. Well, so I don't know. I don't know, Smitty, but uh, all I can tell you is no matter what the fundraiser, it never turned out that we ever ended up mo- with more than one blackboard eraser in yeah. my entire three years yeah. at junior high. So I don't know where that money is, and no, we're not refunding for the stale peanuts. No, we're not. And so, yeah, Mike, somehow I never got involved in this, and I don't know whether 
I managed to evade it or whether I was uh, – they just looked at me and going, no, he's not going to be good at this. Or they probably – you know, maybe they, they didn't want me selling this stuff. But I, I do remember the kids selling magazines and selling seeds, and it just seemed to be kind of a ritual. I guess maybe part of it also was to help kids – Learn to deal with people, to talk to people, to approach people and say, hey, would you like to buy something? Are you interested in purchasing a, a whatever, a magazine subscription, a box of peanuts, whatever? Maybe there was some other ulterior motive to all this as well. Well, first of all, the problem, Smitty, is you had really no one at the controls. Yeah. You had the PTA moms, yeah. and, and they were constantly bickering. Yeah. Fast forward 50 years, they now today call those soccer moms. Mm-hmm. But they were very militant and very territorial, and everybody had their own ideas for how these fundraisers would go. Now, But when I was in the Cub Scouts, we had a den father, and he worked at Warner Brothers in the marketing department, and I think his name was, was more... Maury Sattler, Maury Sattler, and he was a hot dog. He wow. knew how to make it. Hey, we got we trying to raise some money here or what? We serious or what? Maury came up with the idea. No, we're not selling seeds, and we're not selling comic books, and we're not selling magazines. We're going to find out what the public wants, and we're going to supply it. Maury came up with a brilliant idea, had a friend in Burbank with a bakery, and one Saturday morning, my Cub Scout troop went out and we sold fresh donuts Ooh, on a Saturday morning. I bet that went over really well. We had people wanting more. We made more money for our Cub Scout pack than I think had ever been done on record. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Maury, wherever you are. Yeah. It took a little brains at the top. But, uh, you know, nowadays, I don't know. All I really know about fundraisers now, well, they have little carnivals at schools, mm-hmm. but it's so dangerous to send children out. It is. A, Look at the Girl Scouts now, Smitty. they got a website because they don't want these little girls going to Yeah, it, it's a different world now, it's Mike. It's an entirely it's different sad, world, like yeah. Halloween. Right. But the Girl Scouts, now you'll see them. I, I can't go to a supermarket without getting a, That's right, getting, getting pulled over. Right. Uh, they're at the, at the main uh, entryway of the supermarket offering their, uh, yeah. their co- the Girl Scout cookies. Yes. And I have this suspicion that Maury is running the marketing part because I took my mom to Albertsons and Alpine last week. There was a set of Girl Scouts. Sir, would you like to buy your Girl Scout cookies? And I have a canned answer. No, I didn't finish the ones I bought yesterday. Uh. And she goes, they're not as good because you didn't buy them from me. <laughs> Maury, wherever uh. you are, you're the man. Maury's still at work. Maury's still happening. Maury's still happening. But those are some recollections, Smitty. Yeah, you know, in junior high days, you, you remember your high school days a lot better than junior high days. But there are some things I've talked on a previous show about the first girlfriend, sure. the phone booth. and The dances, the school the dan- dances. The school yeah, dances. Sure. And if you, the listeners, have any memories, do share them with us, because regardless, even if you weren't raised in the L.A. Unified School District, there was a school district you went to, and you vividly remember, we've got our buddy, our galaxy good guy out in Florida, Dale, yes. who remembers this stuff. I want to hear what was going on in Florida, because you did not have a long shelf life with those melting toffee peanuts in Florida, I can guarantee it. That's right, Dale. What was happening in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> so we're ready for our retro-mercial, and we're going to cut out here, and we're going to break for a retro-mercial. I hope it's not for Planter's Peanuts. I hope it isn't either. I campfire haven't... marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it isn't either, Mike. We haven't picked the retro-commercial yet, no. but we'll, we'll see what pops up in the machine. Okay, so sit back, relax. Uh, try not to get too far away from your computer or your iPad or your iPhone. We'll be right back right after this retro-mercial, and you are listening to the Galaxy Moonbeam Night site on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. What a thrill to take the wheel. A 
of a rocket Oldsmobile. You know, there's a new word to describe that Oldsmobile thrill. It's spelled O L D S M O B I L I T Y. O-L-D-S, old mobility, glamorous new, old mobility, powerful, yes, old mobility in Olds for 58. Just wait till you see Olds mobility in action. Like in the beautiful new Dynamic 88. There's a new rocket engine under the hood, new power, and greater fuel economy. Mm-hmm. Economy that matches the down-to-earth price of an 88. The lowest-priced rocket engine car. There's nothing like the 58 Oldsmobile. Yes, there's no mobility like O-L-D-S, Olds Mobility and Olds for 58. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network, and the program is Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside, and I'm Gilbert Smitty-Smith, along with my good buddy Mike Bragg. And we were reminiscing about Saturdays, Saturday mornings, Saturday afternoons, when we were kids. And as little boys, Mike... In his family and uh, me and my family and our our respective families, I should say, Saturdays meant a trip to the barber shop, a trip to go get a haircut. How many of you remember that? Mike and I have compared notes, and it seems that our dads were kind of along the same lines, uh, getting haircuts for their sons. And uh, Mike, I'm going to begin with you. Uh, what are your recollections of uh, your dad and uh, haircuts? Haircuts were a very important thing when we were growing up. Uh, I think both your dad and my dad were very strict about how they wanted their little boys' haircuts. Well, absolutely. Um, your dad was a Navy man. Yeah. My dad was a Marine Corps guy. Uh, career, Marine Corps was his life, uh, second only to his family and God. But he was very strict as far as dress code and attire and hygiene. Uh, his sons had to be clean unless they were out mowing the lawn. And you're right, Saturdays was barbershop day. And I've got a few years on you, Smitty, so I can tell you in the 50s, in the early 60s, there were various types of styles that the movie stars and the rock stars, uh, hairstyles, pompadours, they call Hollywood cuts, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Marcel wave, front wave, front combs. But in my family, a family of three boys, three sons, there was only three flavors. The flat top, the crew cut, or the butch. That was your three choices, and since the butch was the shortest, guess which one me and my brothers usually got to carry back to school on Monday was the butch. Mm. Now, even though my uncle was a barber and worked in the neighborhood where we lived, my dad went to Savon. We had Savon Drugstore back in the 50s. And my dad was doing some shopping, and he looked, and he got a great idea. The light bulb went on. There was a pair of wall clippers, electric oh. clippers. As I recall him saying, these were a lot like they had in the Marines in boot camp. And I was doomed from that afternoon on <laughs> to get my haircuts until I was about 15, 14 years old from my dad. And on Saturday afternoons, a beautiful Saturday, much like today, we had a patio, and my dad, uh, he would get a table. It was a card table, a folding card table, and set it up and put one of the kitchen chairs on top of the table when we were little kids. Mm -hmm. As we got older, we didn't need the table. And he, one by one, he'd line us up, sit us in the chair, and he'd turn those buzzers on. And 
you know, in the 50s and 60s, when you're 9 or 10 years old, it's not too bad. Right. But believe me, when you're 15 years old or 14, in the heyday of the British invasion and the Beatles, the mop-top years, the emotional terror that goes with the anxiety of when you look in the mirror after your dad gives you what he called a GI haircut mm-hmm. is something that if you're able to hold your lunch down, you're going to go to bed and you're going to bury your head in the pillow on Saturday and hope the world ends before Monday morning when school starts. Because I was a burrhead, an onion head, 15-year-old in the mop-top beetle years with a short butch haircut. And I got a lot of ribbing and a lot of laughs because you had the short haircut. That didn't mean you were a jock or an athlete because little pudgy Mike was not. I did not qualify. But the interesting part was that we had the we had the haircut, the haircut wars, Mitty. That's yes. the name of this segment, yes, and that was wars. very appropriate because as I gained a few more years and turned sixteen, and started driving and and started attending high school, my dad and I had some very interesting moments and times. I'm sure about discussions on haircuts, and even till the very day I graduated, there were no long hair sons living in my home, nor would there ever be. I do respect my dad for that, but uh, even as a senior in high school, graduating in 1971, when just about everybody on earth were long hairs, with sideburns and beards, and uh, unkempt, unhygiene, you know, tie-dyed, <laughs> butterflies in your hair, that was yeah. not our house. Yeah. But I was able to survive because I was able to make friends from that type of culture, but at the same time, I remember back a lot of people... Uh, who had the hippie look and whose parents really didn't care what they looked like, really respected my dad for who he was. They called him the gunny, and uh, I remember him. But, you know, Smitty, the the haircut wars, do you remember the angst? Do you remember, okay, Smitty, better yet, do you remember the return trip to the barber shop? Did you ever have a return? Hey, Dad, I got my haircut. What do you think? Uh, No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Where? Mr. Paul's Barbershop, get in the car. Did you ever have one of those? I never had one of those because I think uh, every time when I was a little kid, my dad would, would take me and we would go we, we would go to Gilbert's Barbershop. Okay. The barber was also named Gilbert, same as me. Very nice man uh, who we knew for years and years and years. And my dad would always uh, tell him, you know, cut it short. And for years and years, I had the same haircut. Back when I had hair, of course, when I was a little kid. And uh, I remember... That uh, when I was uh, in uh, in junior high school and the kids began you know using their kids had long hair they had you know their long hair down to their to their um, collars and um, I always uh, would uh, uh, look at that my dad was very strict the haircut was always very very short and cut around the ears and uh, I never had a return I'm I'm trying to remember Mike whether I went to the barber shop by myself. It seems to me I did, but we had been going to the barber for so long that he knew what the haircut was because we always went to the same barber. And by that time, even though I didn't really particularly care for the haircut, I guess I was kind of used to it by that time. And uh, my I, and I knew my dad would not tolerate anything else. So It was inevitable. It was going to happen. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, no matter whether you went or whether yeah. they, they dragged you back to it. To resist would only make it worse. Would make it worse, exactly. So what I do remember is the on the way back home from the barbershop, the terrible itchy 
feeling and your collar because all the little clippings would wind, somehow wind up down in your in your collar and it was awful. <laughs> oh, it was horrible, especially on a hot day. Oh. Oh, I'm getting little bad. Oh, Mike, I'm feeling ill. <laughs> and you feel you feel those little pins. In yes. Your back. Oh my gosh. Oh. And then you've got little bits of hair clipping inside your ears. Ears, yeah. That, that warranted almost an immediate shower when you got home. <laughs> so it did. Yeah, you, you couldn't wait to get. You were itchy, itchy and hot, hot and sweaty. <laughs> but do you remember there was something and I forgot? Oh, yeah. No, I just remembered. Do you remember the the cologne or yes, the tonic? Yes, I that, do remember the tonic. Especially the old-time barbers. Yes. They would have the big brush that would brush you off, and then they would put this the powder on you and powder, this tonic. That's right. In my case, it was called Osage Osage Liniment or Osage Tonic. And it okay. had very strong, sweet, almost minty. It's hard to describe. Yeah, Some barbers minty. had bay rum. Right. But it smelled... It was almost like I smell like a man. Right, I'm exactly. A, I, this is I'm a big guy. It smells good. Yeah, and it made you feel grown up. It made you feel good. Yeah, it, but remember the coolness of that. The coolness it of felt it felt so cool and, and I soothing. Think, yeah, and I think the one that uh, my barber used to use was a was it was a green colored green. Yeah, and and it was uh, called Jerris. Jerris. J e r i s. Jerris. Yeah. Yeah. Osage Jerris. Yeah. There was bay rum, like you tonic, said. Bay rum. Very interesting stuff because uh, it had. It had an aroma life, maybe got you as far as getting home, and you could smell a little bit. It was on your shirt. Yeah. And when we talk about remembering way back, we talk about the sensibilities and the senses, but that's one sense, uh, that sense of aroma or that sense of smell that you don't forget that time. Yeah, you don't. I remember that it smelled the Osage oil. It was so strong, and it felt so cool, especially, like you say, on the hot days. Right. But a, a rite of passage... At the age of 15 or 16, I felt I've, I had become a man when I hopped in the barber's seat, and it was my Uncle Paul, and he did my hair, and I heard this noise, and I thought, I've made it. I, 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 I'm cool now. I'm a guy. When he hit that little chrome thing where the right. real hot shaving cream, yeah. hot, hot, yeah. warm, yes. and he dabbed just a dab yeah. around my ears right there at the hairline where your sideburns are supposed to be, except you're too young. and you don't. But there's a little squiggles coming out, and he goes, hey, we better catch those. You're getting a little wiry there. He put a dab on each side, and the warmth of that. Yes, of that I remember foam, that. I remember that, too, yes. And the straight razor. He'd take that straight. On the strop. Sl- yep. Just slap it there on that leather. You could hear him slap, 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 slap. And he'd come up with it, and he'd just take one little swipe on each side. And I thought, you know what? I'm a, I'm a man now. I remember the very first time. I that, had to go get a shave. Yes. I, I remember the very first time that uh, Gilbert the Barber did that. I'm going, wow, I've seen him do that to every other man here, to my dad and everybody. And this is the first time that he ever did that to yeah. me. And it was a rite of passage. Yeah. And you, can, and you continue on down that road of yes. rights, and you get to my age, Gilbert, and it's uh, it's always the question at the end of the haircut, shall we catch those eyebrows? Oh, you know, those yeah. wires that come out at where there used to be cute little fuzz there, and now it's you know, a 22 AWG gauge uh, hookup r- bell wire. Right, bell wire, yeah. copper wire. So you always want that, because for $8, because I go cheap, yeah. you won't see me buy a $15 haircut unless there's a coupon for seven of them. But I'm the $8 guy, but I, hey, can you catch the eyebrows? And snip, 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 and you feel like, 
Wow, okay. Yeah, I got my money's worth where at the age of 15, I'm a man. You're still carrying on that tradition of going to the barbershop. I eliminated that a number of years back by shaving my head, which has worked quite well for me, so I'm my own barber. <laughs> well, I still keep the earmuffs on. Sure, you I know, know you do. I, yeah. I keep the sides. Yeah, it looks know? good on you, Mike. I and, keep the sides. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a memory. Exactly. You know? It's something and, from the past. Yeah, but it's okay because it, our headphones fit so much better this way, yes, Smitty. Yes, they do. They work out better, yeah. And I'm Unfortunately, we're going to have to hang these headphones up here pretty quick. We're going to have to hang them up, Mike. What wonderful memories. And if any of you have any memories, any of you gentlemen have any memories of going to the barber and getting your hair cut, or maybe you girls remember going with mom to get your hair dressed back in the day, send us an email and tell us about your memories. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightside at uh, gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightside.com. And don't forget our Facebook page, the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside page on Facebook. If uh, you're a fan of Facebook, uh, by all means, go on there and check out our our page and send us a note, uh, friend us, and we you'll be able to keep on top of all the posts that we make on Facebook. That's all the time we have on this program. We sure thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And we'll look forward to having you again next time on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.